Podcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the city of innovation, education, and of course, Fenway Park, this is TI Clergy Corner, a weekly podcast that brings you timely, insightful, and impactful weekly sermons. In this episode, we'll hear a live recording of Rabbi Jen Gubitz's Kol Nidre sermon delivered to the Riverway Project on Tuesday, October 8th, 2019, entitled Provocative Kugel, a.k.a. What Will I Make of My Life Today? I saw your vagina ad. Yuck, the email read. Was that really necessary? The criticism came rolling in. And why? In response to a sign that was bold and bright and hip and funky, plastered on kiosks throughout the Upper East and West Sides of Manhattan that read, even if you think Kugel is an exercise you do for your vagina, do belong. (laughs) It was a bold ad campaign. Bold start, right? Yeah. It was a a bold ad campaign referring to that tasty and traditional Jewish noodle casserole whose name can easily be mistaken for Kegel pelvic contractions. (laughs) This ad scandalized the Upper East Side. And after an intervention by the Madison Avenue Business Improvement District, ultimately Jubilong replaced Kugel with bacon. This time the ad read, So you eat bacon. God has other things to worry about. Do belong. (laughs) Was that really necessary, that angry Upper East Sider demanded? Well, I received this picture, no less than 10 times, from different people in my life, all Jewish, but expressed in ways quite different. So yes, I think so. Sometimes it takes provocative language, some snarky truth-telling about how many Jews love bacon, and some really strong branding to draw our easily distracted attention back to Judaism. Well-chosen words have power. Jubilong is a nonprofit that aims to bring disengaged Jews back into Judaism through memes and ads, online holiday guides, and modernized and often snarky prayers. It is run by Archie Gottesman and Stacey Stewart, two advertising professionals who are behind the brilliantly hilarious billboards for Manhattan Mini Storage. If you can make storage units seem remotely compelling, you must be gifted. And that they are. I can't tell you the amount of times I would ride the New York City subway over the Brooklyn Bridge on my way to rabbinical school, see a hilarious Manhattan mini storage sign, and spit out my coffee. Sorry for mentioning coffee on Yom Kippur. Signs like, if you don't like gay marriage, don't get gay married, or... (laughs) True. Or... Let your personality be the reason people don't come to your apartment. (laughs) Storage, starting at $29. (laughs) I didn't even need a storage unit, but suddenly it was something I considered daily. (laughs) Because well-chosen words and well-placed words have power. And not only to encourage us to consider the benefits of living in a storage unit, because that's pretty low rent, But well-chosen words provoke us into paying attention. The word in Hebrew is sim lev, sim to make or put, and lev, heart. Sim lev, to make our hearts open up in attention, colloquially to pay attention, to the words we hear, to the words we think or speak to others, to the words we use to talk to and about ourselves, and to the words we use to articulate our values, our beliefs, our hopes, and our fears. Well-chosen and well-placed words have power. And although less edgy than Jubilong's ad campaign, no less provocative is the liturgy of the High Holy Days, 
specifically the prayer Unatanatokef. When these words were brilliantly planted in our liturgy, as if on a billboard to provoke our attention, we see them and we take pause. It's in tomorrow's liturgy, but I'll, we'll do a piece tonight. Unatanatokef kidushat hayom. Let us proclaim the sacred power of this day, and more Jews now than any other time of year are provoked to come here to understand what these words mean. When it says, you are judge and plaintiff, counselor and witness, you inscribe and seal, you record and recount, these words cause us to take pause and then cause us to open our hearts and minds and attention. You count and consider every life, it says. You set bounds, you decide destiny, you inscribe judgments. And those words cause us to listen more intently. What does this all mean? Barosh Hashanah Yikatevun, Uvyom Tzom Kippur Yichatemum. On Rosh Hashanah this is written, on Yom Kippur this is sealed. Who will live and who will die? Who by fire, who by water? Who by earthquake and who by plague? Who will be tranquil and who will be troubled? And it is those words which cause many more of us to send that angry email to the Jewish Theological Improvement Board, asking, demanding, really? Really, is this sort of language actually necessary? And we demand clarification of these agitational words. Are they really true words? In the last 10 days, has my destiny for the year to come been determined? Really? My parent who died this year, that was part of a divine decree? And my diagnosis this past year and my divorce and the earthquakes and the hurricanes and the floods and the ice melting, the opioids and the dumpster fire political ploys, the, war, the wars, the destruction, the hatred and the sickness, all of this was part of a divine decree? If that is what your year was like, and for many here it was, and for so many in our world too, then these are painful words to hear. And we would rather laugh about kugel or bacon. We would rather laugh than open our hearts to these painful, heavy truths. But Judaism demands more of us than jokes. And even though we are so good at using humor to avoid the heart, the heart of what really matters is at the core of this prayer that disturbs us so. Unatanatokef goes line by line asking us, not if people will die, but how they will die. It does not question if people die, Rather, it acknowledges that, acknowledges that this is the way of life. And so it may be that you see yourself and your life or your loved ones or the ways of the world too clearly narrated in these heart-provoking words. Or it may be that, do, that death has or will arrive in some other way that the medieval penman could never have imagined. But this prayer does not pass judgment on the how or the why or adjudicate if death was fair. And, quote, it is not an affirmation, writes Rabbi Noah Kushner, that some of us deserve to suffer. Rather, it is a realization that for most of us, suffering exists, and so does death. The problem, suggests Rabbi Kushner, is this. We treat the text as so sacred that it is supposed to only compel us to change our view on life. But, she continues, feminist writers, for example, have taught us how contradictions between life and text should also force reinterpretations of the text itself. And as we reinterpret, we need not abandon our lives nor the text. We need only abandon the idea that the text is supposed to be able to fully describe our lives or even our death on its own without us. Instead, she writes, we are forced to interact with its message. And Unatana Tokef takes advantage 
of this unusual moment, the rarest moment of the year where everyone happens to be present, where a large collection of us are gathered to examine our lives, stretching ourselves to look over the precipice, but knowing that we are not falling yet. At this moment, finally, it is safe to pry open difficult memories and expectations, and we can allow ourselves to wonder if there is anything to be learned from the fact of our death. We might even have the presence of mind to ask this question. Given that I am going to die, given that my death is a fact, what will I make of my life? And it is this question, what will I make of my life, that is at the heart of this very prayer. And if, run, if I were running a Jewish ad agency, that question is what would be written on the billboards everywhere that seeks to capture our heart's attention. What if every time you were pinged by a tweet, a Snapchat, Insta, the news, or on every device and every screen you watch, your Fitbit, your phone, your computer, Netflix, what if in every moment you read or listen to books, poems, papers, music, movies, radio, podcasts, what if instead of all that your attention is spammed with, in contrast, every place words existed provoked you to ask yourself, what will I make of my life today? Well-chosen and well-placed words have great power. The great writer Shai Agnon recalls a lecture by the late Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik given to a mostly secular Yiddish culture club here in Boston. For me, Soloveitchik said, the entirety of Yom Kippur in these high holy days is included in the Amen that one calls out following the Shehechianu each new year. That prayer, Agnon writes, thanking God for having kept us in life and enabling us to reach this season recited at the most dramatic of all moments in the yearly cycle, tells us where the heart of Yom Kippur lies. The days of awe powerfully remind us that each of us will have our final moment. Death comes what may. But, he continues, we're not a morose people. We consider healthy those who spend their lives on something more constructive and cheerful than brooding on the inevitability of death. But we come together on the Yamim Norim, these days of awe, skeptics, agnostics, atheists, along with pious believers and seekers alike, to gratefully acknowledge that we are still here. And so we breathe a sigh of relief when we are sitting in our chairs. Amen, we announce after reciting our gratitude for being kept alive for another year. Amen, I'm still here. The inner fear and trembling caused by the unknown subsides. Amen, I'm in. I'm still here. When I am having a rough time, I'd like to see that on a billboard. Amen. Right, I'd say to myself, life is hard, but you are alive. Amen. So what will I make of my life today? But then, Unatana Tokef asks me again, who will live in poverty and who in prosperity? Who by strangling and who by stoning? Who by mass shooting? But, writes, Rabbi Joshua Loth Liebman, a rabbi of Temple Israel and New York Times best-selling author in the 1930s. He reassures that no normal person can face life without experiencing these countless fears and worries. This was as true 90 years ago as it is today. Our worries and fears of the long list that Unatana Tokef records are, quote, part of the fee we, pray, we pay for citizenship in an unpredictable universe. Rabbi Loth Liebman encourages us Humans are actually blessed with this capacity to know fear because we also have the capacity to master fear with serenity. He notes all the ways our fears have led us to invent and discover new realities. 
Our fear of the dark led to the art of fire and the secrets of electricity. Our fear of pain became the mother of medicine, resulting in the wonders of surgery, anesthesia, and, holding, and healing. But all the same, the high price tag of our humanity is attached to the sensitive nerve endings, which expose us to the pain, dangers, and glories of a conscious life. It is merely, he continues, the conspiracy of silence about our deepest inner feelings, our habit of hiding behind the masks of convention, which prevent us from recognizing the universality of anxiety which binds the whole human race together. Truly, the glories of a conscious life are silenced by the anxieties of the fear that our lives will someday end. There are few billboards intended to change our hearts and habits that say something like, I'm so glad the rabbi talked about death tonight. I'd like to buy that product. <laughs> well, all I can hope is that well-chosen and well-placed words will have great power and compel us to stay in conversation with these painfully powerful and, I'm afraid, ever-true words of Unatana Tokef. And stay in conversation with Kugel and Mrs. Maisels and Ben Platt or Drake. Maybe skip the bacon. But when we recite these words on Yom Kippur and in the future, remember that because you have stayed in conversation with yourself and with Judaism, which provokes you to ask yourself daily, what will I make of my life today? Know that you have the tools to stay in the conversation even when there is intolerable anguish in your soul or the great sufferings in the world. Remember that you do have the capacity to stay in the conversation with your heart opened in attention, even when faced with an untimely or devastating death of a loved one in your life. And remember that you have support to stay in the conversation, even in the face of great suffering, when it is you who becomes ill. On this day of Yom Kippur, as we contemplate the awe and dread of our humanity, I'll join you in filling a storage unit with our worries and our fears, $29. Remember, though, that for as much as we don't control, we must force ourselves to remember that we have power in shaping our lives, recreating each day that we are living anew. And know this, while it will never be enough time, in the time that we have, we will have been enough. In this new year of 5780, may the billboards of our lives say it all. We are alive today. We are enough. Amen. Let's read this together. On Rosh Hashanah it is written, on Yom Kippur it is sealed, that this year people will live and die, some more gently than others, and nothing lives forever. But amidst overwhelming forces of nature and humankind, we still write our own book of life, and our actions are the words in it, and the stages of our lives are the chapters, and nothing goes unrecorded ever. Every deed counts, everything you do matters, and we never know what act or word will leave an impression or tip the scale. So if not now, then when? For the things that we can change, there is teshuva, realignment. For the things we cannot change, there is tefillah, prayer. For the help we can give, there is tzedakah, justice. Together, let us write a beautiful book of life for the Holy One to read. Amen. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to TI Clergy Corner. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll visit our website, www.tisrael.org slash clergycorner. This has been a Temple Israel of Boston production. Join us next time for another episode of TI Clergy Corner.